Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Naked Professor's podcast. My name's Ben Bidwell and I'm otherwise known as the Naked Professor. And I'm here to introduce episode two, a roundtable conversation I've had with three brilliant women. We're going into eating disorders and the first week we set it up, we learned a little bit about the stories, we learned a little bit about uh, what was going on for the for the women, how they're feeling, and then we let it float and we're now into the middle of the conversation here and, and the place that it went to is that we really got into looking at parenting and what we learned growing up and what the goal is for parents to show up in this space in the future. A really hard conversation and there was differing views and, and different perspectives and I think different levels of blame, which is a tough word, a tough word to share. But I think we really got to a place where, listen, none of us are educated on this. No one's given a handbook as to how to handle this. There are new problems evolving in the world that we didn't experience ourselves as children. And I really don't think there is any any blame. Um, but what's great is to sit in space and hear different perspectives and allow conversation to, to unfold and for, for us all to take our own learnings. I think what was very clear is that each eating disorder is a different story and people are impacted in different ways. So I don't think it's necessarily possible for us all to sit here and say every parent knows the answer. Uh, in fact, very few of us know the answer. Um, but what we can do is try and provide space and try and provide space for communication and allow a judge, judgment-free space for people to really share uh, and not to be tainted and not to be judged for what's going on, but to simply allow. Because when we allow, it provides the doors to, to, to move forward or opens the doors to move forward. So yeah, it's 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 difficult conversation, but it matters. And I'm really grateful for these women sharing their own understandings and their different perspectives and we really get into this perspective of, of, of fixing and allowing people to feel and everything around that so i hope that helps so without further ado reintroducing zoe sharu and hope i hope you enjoy the conversation it's something that i i really experienced um you know as the youngest child and and you know, in, in, in my day-to-day world, I'm, 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 I'm more of a leader, um, especially as a coach. You know, I'm helping people. And as soon as I go back into my family situation, it's straight back in. You know, my brothers see me as the youngest, seven and nine years older. And I, it's so hard to break the shackles of that, of that role. And um, I, I can imagine, this is probably not a nice thing to say, but often going back into our family environment can be a trigger to yeah. go back to past patterns. Yeah. Yeah, big time, big time. And, and actually, the last time I went out to Kenya to see my mum, my mum is very much um, one of those women that's like, I'm just going to eat breakfast, I'm going to have lunch, and then, oh, 
don't need to eat dinner. Great. And I sort of grew up with her going. So she would go from periods of lunchtime through to the next morning. And, th- and it was all that language. Like, oh, why are you eating dinner? You had such a big lunch. It's like, because you're supposed to eat fucking dinner. And because I'm hungry, now shut up. And the last time I saw, <laughs> saw her, I started, you know, Dozo was saying to me, you haven't had any dinner. And I'm like, oh, she's not eating. And it's weird, isn't it? Like you said, we just regress to what we grew up with. And she didn't know that she was doing that damage, but she really was. It's interesting. It's interesting. You don't know it's happening till you're in it again. So much of it is unconscious, isn't it? So, as you know, if we're sitting in this space and we're all aware this might happen, um, and and who knows, but maybe one day we'll all be parents, creating our own families. Is there is there things that we can do? Because for me, it's about and and, and this applies regardless to any conversation, which I think is, is is important to say. Because in this conversation, yes, sure, we're talking eating eating disorders, but I think it could also show up as a as a, as a challenge in any in, in a different way too i don't want to be treated for how i look i don't want to be treated for, for my past behaviors i don't want to be treated for things that people have read about me i just want to be present with someone and have a conversation in the here and now and that doesn't really happen if i'm you know we're going back into the family environment all the the, the stigmas are, are, are kept so are we saying that a really healthy way to be for, for, for let's say as parents is just to be present and to treat our family in the here and now without any kind of preconceived conceptions of who they should be and where they fit in the family regime. Is that possible? Is that all we... I, th- I think it is possible. Um, Shiru, do you have kids? No. No. No, I don't. Not yet so or not? That's why I wasn't. I don't know. Um, that I, I, it hasn't come over me as something that I want to do, but I've also heard of people waking up at 37 or something and being like, I want to have kids yesterday. So who knows? But no, I haven't yet. And I often wonder that, like, what I would do or how I would navigate the conversation differently with the knowledge that I have. Um, I think the good thing is, if you want to access better information and support, it does seem to be around more than it was when I was growing up. So that's good. Obviously, there's also a lot of other shit you're consuming that you weren't consuming before, which is highly problematic. So there's, you know, um, two sides to that. But I think certainly one thing that I noticed growing up was that it was established pretty early on which kids were good at exercise and which kids would be invested in when it came to exercise. Do you mean like sports at school? Yeah, sports at school or even just like known as the active kids, uh, the kids who were known as the active kids. And I don't feel like I was ever introduced to exercise in any capacity other than you should probably do some of that because you're overweight. And so I think being active in general would be something that I'd I'd like to I would like to push and I would never if I had kids and I would never associate it with calorie deficit or associate it with anything other than feeling good and moving around like literally anything and it didn't help that yeah the structures were not set up for the kids who who weren't like who were overweight basically you know if you were overweight like find something else that you're good at um, or you could try, but it's embarrassing because you have to keep getting changed in front of other kids and like stuff doesn't fit you. And, you know, I remember going to buy a PE kit and they were like, well, she's going to have to buy like the, the senior school PE kit. Um, and that's embarrassing for kids, you know, like even thinking about it now makes me sad. And so I think um, that's one thing. I don't know what I would do about the food. I think I don't know yet. I'm not quite there, but I do know that exercise wise, I would massively disassociate i mean i would just they have nothing to do with each other whatsoever 
um, first and foremost, for sure, because I see the, how exercise has impacted my mental health and my self-esteem and my just connection with my body and ability to tell what it's doing and what's going on and whether I'm hungry and when I'm not and stuff like that. So the knock-on effect that it's, it's had on my overall well, well-being is immeasurable. And I feel very, very sad about the fact that as a child, I was not able to benefit from that, probably when I needed it most, because it was only ever wrapped up with... And also people make fun of you, you know? Like, that's the other thing too. Like, look at her trying to jump on a whatever or fall off a whatever or fit in a whatever. So... So it's like, you know, and now exercise is my absolute savior. And also our parents, I don't know about your guys, you guys, but I don't, I didn't have active parents. My dad played tennis with his friends and my mum exercised, but exercised to lose weight. Like that was the only reason she was exercising. Maybe after dinner walk, but even then, you know, you put the, you strap the weights on your, there's always something that's trying to like make it about sweating or losing weight. Or those, do you remember those? I used to, I had these suits, like they look like bin bat, bin liners that would make you like sweat more. You know, I had one of those when I was like twelve. It's 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 messed up. Do you think it's a lack of education from them, Sheru? Like your pet? Do you do you blame your parents? Because who, who who do you have any sort of resentment towards them? What? How do you feel about My that? My God, no, 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 no. My parents left a, a war torn country to come here. Secondly, you know, first generation immigrants. Um, they had bigger fish to fry than I think educate themselves on how, you know, about the patriarchy. And like now we have a different conversation, but I think at the time, no, absolutely not. And they just wanted a healthy kid. So with the information that they had and the concerns that they had, and bear in mind, my parents never pushed me to do anything. It was that I was coming home and saying, the kids are making fun of me, or I don't fit into this, or someone said this about me. Is it true? And then I wanted to change it. So what do you do as a parent? You say, well, let me see how I can help you change it, right? Because it's making my kid un- unhappy. So no, in fact, I think my parents were more compassionate and understanding about what I was going through than the vast majority of the conversations that I have with people. It was just a lack of knowledge. It's lack of basic knowledge. At that time, we weren't talking about exercise for mental health, were we? You exercised if you were really fit and good at exercise. Or you exercised if you were in a team and you loved it and you turned up for whatever. Or you exercised because you were trying to lose weight. My fear a little bit is that for kids, is that it's, you know, with, with so, much, so many other distractions, exercise is becoming a bit of a chore. You know, and it's almost going the other way from what you're saying, Sheru, in the, you know, make exercise just something to, to, for everyone that's accessible for play. And play is going such another direction, isn't it? Yeah, it's such a big focus in our house, actually. really is with the kids, all of them, you know, we get them out for like a two hour walk every single day. We dance for fun in the kitchen, but also to move. We make it. It's not about like how great you are at kicking a ball. It's like we're going outside to kick a ball because guess what? It makes you feel great and it's really good fun. And, you know, if you're good at it and you've got an interest in it, then brilliant. You know, hopefully you get to do it when you when we get back to school. But it's amazing if I see the kids indoors a lot and obviously we're in a lockdown it makes me feel antsy I want them outside in nature breathing in fresh air and I think you know if you've got that as your as you look I'm going to make massive massive monumental mistakes with my parenting and who knows I might end up screwing them up forever but there are some certain pillars that I will put in place for them so that they know about being outside and being free to run around and 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 so that they know that that will give them the endorphins and that will make them feel good and hopefully I will be able to give them an understanding about 
how amazing food can be and how we have to learn to it's not our enemy and which it was for such a long time for me and 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 get that like we said that healthy balance between putting the right things into our bodies into their bodies and also exercising because it's great I guess for me like I am slightly I'm slightly scared of it um so yeah like I do want to have children and I'm worried that I will I'm worried that I'll mess them up. I'm worried that they'll pick up on little things with me. I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm scared about it, which is probably another reason why I'm trying to really challenge and get completely better at the moment. Cause I'm like, I don't want them to see me like this. And actually the other weekend, um, uh, I went, was, we went for a walk down the river near where I live and there was a, ch- a girl sitting with her mum having a croissant. And I was literally just like, I saw this child and I was like, do you know what? I want to be able to do that with my daughter one day. Like if I fancy it, I don't want to be a mum where we go and have a coffee and I don't get anything, but she gets something. Yeah, I guess for me, it's like, I'm going to hopefully try and just encourage like Cherie, like not having it so together and so interlinked and yeah, like focusing more on other stuff as well. I think it's just really important. I think it's hard as well, because I always thought maybe I'd I went through this phase of kind of scribbling out the calories on all the food and stuff in the house, but I don't feel like maybe that's the best thing to do because that draws more attention to it. But just, I guess, neutralizing food maybe is the way forward. I don't know. The other day I said to my other half, I was like, how do you know how much food to feed a child when sometimes I don't even know how much food to feed myself? And I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I feel like children just know, like they can eat intuitively, like maybe we can't you put the right things in front of them and they will they will take a range of it and it's it's a very up and down journey actually and actually I think at the beginning of me becoming a mother I was it'd be interesting to to see anybody listening if they're nodding their heads right now because I felt like I was putting my own issues around food onto my daughter's baby plate and I was obsessed with her getting the right amount of food in so much so that and I'm ashamed to admit this but I would tickle her under the armpit so she would laugh so I could spoon feed her and I was like, my friend was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, well, you know, she hasn't eaten enough of this and she needs to get a sweet potato in. And she was like, you can't, that's taught, you can't do that. Like, that's not fun for her. She's laughing. Don't shove food in her face. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And at that point, I thought, this is about me. This is not about her. So at that point, I started putting food. And then at that point, I let her dictate what she was going to eat. And we did baby led weaning and it worked so much better because it wasn't me going you need to because I was so paranoid about her being too I didn't want her not to have the right nutrients because I knew that for so long I wasn't getting the right nutrients do you see it was really weird but I hope no one knows what they're doing as a parent anyway so don't worry about all of that stuff we haven't got a clue what we're doing I think it's such a powerful conversation I I had a conversation with a a friend um, a few months ago um, and he talked about his friend's 14 year old daughter um, that had developed an eating disorder during lockdown um before that uh you know it was it was there, there, there was no signs of anything it was all perfect um and I, it must be incredibly hard as a parent think you know carrying blame wondering if you could have done things differently should I've read this book or could I've done that or should I listen to this and I, I really do think the reality is is that we're gonna like we've all said we're gonna make mistakes you know that there, there is no such thing as, as reading the, the textbook of parenting and then bingo this is how you play it all out and everything will be perfect you know I my my mum gave me so much love that I I, w- I was scared to fail, um, you, because she didn't want she didn't want me to fail. She 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 loved me so much. Don't then don't try and do that because I don't want you to to experience disappointment or sadness. I'd rather just stay here. You know you're you're good with me. I've got you, and that's great. And that comes from love, and it's a beautiful thing. And I'm not criticising the slightest, but 
you know, who, who would think that coming from a place of just real love can cause problems? Like whatever we do in any in any, any area, we're going to make mistakes. So I think, you know, hopefully it's conversations like this that can allow just people to understand and people to sit in the space that we're all trying and things are going to happen and it's not going to be this perfect life that everyone is presenting and that we all just go swimmingly through. It's actually being able to sit in space, like you said at the beginning, Hope, where we, we go, do you know what? Actually, it's a challenge and, and, and I need to talk about it and, and, and I want to talk about it because that's part of my healing. And if we can live in that world, then when people do have the challenges, it can be a normal conversation just like it is, what do you need from the supermarket? Because we're human beings who are going to experience difficulties at times. That sounds like a, a healthy place to me. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I love where your head is at with that. I, I do think we have got a responsibility, though, to be able to admit when we feel like, I mean, my parents probably like you guys they did so much good they did so much good I've come from the most amazing upbringing I'm so lucky to say that you know and what they've given me on one side of the coin in terms of being you know ambitious and driven and and hopefully kind and caring side and all that brilliant but like my mum has never taken sort of responsibility for the other side and I think one thing that I will say is is that you have to be accountable for your actions we have to grow we have to learn and we have to especially when we're raising our children to be aware that what we do they will take take up like a sponge you know and so for me that is a big responsibility I I don't want to uh, be thinking about that so much that I can't have fun with them and I you know I can't just be silly and da 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 but I also know that they might come to me when when they're older and be like what you did there did this and I will have to take a good hard look at myself and I'm willing to do that I think I do yeah I agree with that and I think obviously I'm not a mum yet but looking at my relationship with my mum um particularly in relation to kind of like the food and stuff um she really when I was diagnosed um at the age of 17 I'd had like hidden my anorexia for kind of four years at that point and I remember that my my mum just felt awful about the fact she hadn't noticed and she brought loads of books to try and understand it and educate herself um but after I so I ended up spending a year in hospital and throughout that whole year we didn't actually really speak much because I was so angry at her I was angry at the situation I really just really struggled with that relationship actually and I think one of the reasons for that um was pre getting admitted to treatment 
um, I was a, an outpatient. And when I was an outpatient, my mum was trying to be really controlling and really fixing, which is exactly what any mother, any parent, pretty much any friend would do in that situation. But actually it just, it didn't work. And I was like, no, I don't want that. Stop fixing, stop interfering. But actually what it has meant um, is kind of since then, we're obviously like much closer now, we get on really well about stuff. Um, but when I relapsed kind of back in 2016, she didn't do that. She actually kind of was very, di- we had a direct conversation about it. She then was like, what are you doing? What's your plan of action to tackle this? And actually even this time round, like I'm not, I'm not relapsing. I'm not in the midst of that, but just pushing myself to that final bit. I know that I've obviously spoken with my mum and my older sister and my other half about it and actually been like, do you know what guys, like, I don't want you to fix it. I want to own this on my own. And I think you, as an individual, when you've had an eating disorder, you have to take responsibility and and be honest with yourself, but set those boundaries within that. But then obviously looking at my mum, basically what the long winded thing I'm trying to say is my mum, I guess, has had to learn to navigate how to best support me moving forward. And I think that's not just a shift from being a child to an adult, but actually it's just the shift that actually I think is really important for all parents to realise. Yeah, I love just just love that from you, Hope. And I think you go through such um, such a journey with the relationship that you have and how you feel about you know your parents during your during your illness. And actually, maybe you start off with anger, and then there's a bit of resentment in there, and then there's acceptance, and then it's like actually you can't fix me. I've got to do this. It's really interesting that journey, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is, and I think as well. The like for me, the other layer at the moment is um, kind of I guess navigating that even with like having someone that I live with um, and. Obviously, he really he really loves me. He really cares about me. But actually, at the same time, I can't have I can't feel I don't want to feel like he's my carer because he's not my carer. So I don't know if that makes sense. I think, again, it's like you have to navigate all of these other situations and even situations where you're with your friends where you have to have a conversation about it and explain to them maybe where you're at at times, um, explain what support you might need in moments and things like that. And that will change throughout recovery. I know when I first started kind of going out for dinners and stuff with people, I always wanted to go to exactly the same restaurant. Um, I'd always want to go out for brunch because it was just an easy meal for me. And actually my friends had to navigate firstly doing that, but then also navigating actually over the last couple of years where um, when I text, actually it's quite annoying sometimes when I text my best friend Nikki and she's cooking dinner, I'm always like, Oh, what are you cooking tonight? Like, tell me what you're cooking. And she's like, Oh, I haven't decided yet. Or I'm just going to do like a Mexican meal. And then I'm like, Oh, what's Mexican? Like, what does that mean? And she's like, you don't need to know. And I think it's again, your friends then being able to also be a bit more accountable and honest as well with, yeah, with everything. It's difficult. And I think that's what you were saying at the start, Ben. It's like, actually, we need to own those conversations and be direct and have them more because otherwise we're all just going to shy away and just not talk about it. I think this, this conversation around fixing is a really interesting one because it feels like it's a human instinct. You know, when if someone says, I'm struggling a bit, particularly us men, you know, we, we really want to fix. And a massive part of my journey is actually learning that the fixing is just is, is not allowing, but accepting and, and providing space to just sit and listen and let's not try and plaster over these cracks let's just really like allow this and for us to accept that again challenges are part of the process and let me let me just sit and hear you um i know from my from my experiences that if i have a challenge in some capacity let's say i have a bad day you know and i say to someone oh yeah bit bit of a shit day whatever you know naturally we have them 
And someone's like, oh, cool, you know, tell me what happened, what happened, and let's, right, okay, let's, we can do this, we can sort that out. And I'm like, no, no, I, I don't need, like, life is on track. Like, I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. I'm just expressing that this is what's going on. And, and all I really wanted to do is just be heard and for us to have a conversation. And there's every chance tomorrow I'm going to wake up in a new space if you can just let me share that. But it's the whole fixing takes you away from, uh, it, it makes it a problem. You know, it's like, okay, now we've got to do this and this and this and this. And you're like, oh God, yeah, I'm not meant to feel like this. You're so right. But I, I'm going to try and do all this. And that's not sitting with the emotion. That's not allowing. And of course, when things get to a deeper situation, like, like we're talking now, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a case of just sitting and, 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 and allowing. But it might be the start, you know, like we got back to the beginning of your, your what you said, Hope. Owning where we're at is, is a big part of the recovery. And if we're not allowing someone to, to, to own where they they where they're at because when they own it they feel like they're gonna everyone's gonna try and fix them and throw everything at them and they and they don't want to have to go on that journey that's all quite a lot to take on it's like actually if we're just allowing it's fine let's just allow space for whatever you feel to be okay and we can talk about it perhaps that might open the door to then recognizing there is a problem but that problem is okay and we'll work together i think in defense of the people who don't know that we are still in a kind of a bubble and things have moved pretty quickly and it's a natural inclination when someone you care about comes to you yeah. with a problem to want to solve it for them. So like we are in a, I think it's important to kind of remember that we're all people who've gone through the process of learning, getting to know ourselves better, understanding how to communicate with people who you want to, to feel honest and hold space. And even that term, like we've come you know leaps and leaps and bounds there is there are still you know I forget there are still people who think counseling is indulgent because of the bubble that I'm in but even what you're saying there you know when we talk about is it the parents fault I mean fault sure yeah but fault kind of gets a bad rap because at that point who else really are you looking at to give you a guidance as to who you are and how the world works you know invariably it will fall on your parents and I think a lot like even now if you went to the average parent who hadn't done this work and wasn't interested in personal development yeah and said if your kid comes to you with a problem I don't think it would I'm not a parent but I feel like it wouldn't feel natural to be like go on just tell me all this stuff that's breaking my heart and I'm just going to sit here and do absolutely nothing about it that's a lot and I think it's we like you know we throw around this stuff because we know it and we know it to be true and we're coaching and talking to people and going straight into no small talk and all this stuff the vast majority of society does not and so I think that's important too to give those people a break to some extent too like how are they supposed to have come across that information and it's changed so quickly even when I was growing up 20 years ago counseling was like this super remedial serious what is what what's gone wrong in your life now it's like having a PT so, I mean, it's important to kind of remember the times have changed massively and very quickly, which is great. But I think the expectation on people, parents, etc., to know what to do then, especially, is um, I think we need, yeah, need to be fair that where, how else would they have come? I'm with you 100%, sure, of course, and 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 I don't, I really I don't mean for for what I say to sound like there is blame and that it's not okay for people to 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 be trying to fix. Because of course it's a natural instinct, but I do feel that there is this is something that's within us all, and it's possible to educate. We can all learn. You know, I was an ultimate fixer as a guy in a relationship with a girl. If she had an emotion and it was a negative one, like the the goal was to get rid of that negative emotion. And I now realise that actually they just wanted to express it and just sit there, and and it's okay because I experience that now too. And and that's something I've learned. And I think that all of us and I I'm. 
I'm in the process of, of speaking to my mum about it, actually, because I've created a platform called HeartSpace, which is about allowing people to just share what they feel. And all emotions are welcome. And the majority of people are part of, of, of my community and they've, they've, they're on board with, with my message. And when people do share um, a challenge that day, so I'm not feeling so great, this is, this is what's going on, most of the people just send lots of love and, and that's, you know, it's, it's tough right now. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sending you loads of love. But my mum always comes in and go, oh, like tomorrow is going to be a better day and, and um, you know, go for a beach, go to the beach and get some fresh air and spend some time here and do all this and da-da-da-da. And I know it comes from a beautiful place of love, but I have to say to my mum, mum, in this space, we're, we're, we're just allowing. We're just, we're really allowing. And it's hard because she thinks yeah. I'm being horrible. She's like, I'm trying to, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she, she's coming from a beautiful place and she doesn't get it and she thinks I'm being cruel to her. But I do think this is an important education in society that it's not going to be a great day every day and people should be allowed to to have challenges and to have a bad day and for us not need to fix that and for us not to to demonise it and just to learn. I think one of the issues there, though, and I come across this a lot writing about self-kindness, is when kindness and discomfort are the same thing, that can seem really counterintuitive too, right? So if you're making changes, kind of like Hope was saying earlier about putting down boundaries or communicating, that stuff is not easy. It's really uncomfortable. So with this constant stuff around, be kind to yourself, give yourself whatever you need, etc. That does not necessarily mean in the short term, do what makes you feel most comfortable right now. That's a really difficult thing, I think, especially when you care about someone. It's going to, of course, you're going to want their discomfort to finish as quickly as possible. You want that to wrap that up so that they're happy. And sometimes I guess we deprive people or ourselves of the realization that we will self-regulate and actually everything will be okay and that it will be a temporary state and that discomfort is just synonymous with change. That must be really hard to navigate as well for a lot of people, especially with their kids, to see your child in discomfort and to not want to relieve that or remedy that or to not remedy that is must be very very hard indeed you've got to stick close to them though you've got to you've got to stick by them you've got to be there you can't it's not really about you in that moment it's more about the person that's going through the pain isn't it whereas I think you know for whatever reason we put a lot of pressure on those people obviously there are our sort of shining guiding light aren't they to never get it wrong and to sacrifice their own stuff for you still even if you're an adult and maybe that's not fair either it's very hard it's it's such a delicate subject and you know, even sort of having the discussion now, like navigating it still now is, is tricky to sort of talk about. I mean, I think we're doing a good job, but, you know, for them, like you said, Sheru, they don't have any education around it and suddenly their child is suffering in the way they are. Their immediate reaction is to be like, how can I help? How, what, you know, how can I fix? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I wrote my book about weight loss based on my experience. And then I had to kind of go and educate myself. And I didn't even refer, I didn't believe that I, I did not believe it, but I never associated myself with having an eating disorder. And then I wrote the book and loads of people messaged me being like, I had the same eating disorder you had. And I was like, oh, I suppose I should go look up the eating disorder, like, <laughs> you know, and then go find out about it. So if I'm learning as we go, then and, and I've, I've had to seek it out for the sake of my day to day well-being. We can't expect other people to have educated themselves to this degree on such a ever changing, contentious, sensitive, triggering, political issue. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. And I think obviously for me, like I've had time to do a lot of work on myself and 
I guess learning to I guess do the therapy and treatment and stuff like that like actually learning to navigate these conversations better but I guess firstly like I, I still get it wrong the whole time I know particularly with my little sister like when she has a problem I would I do I jump straight in and Molly will message me and be like please don't fix this I just I'm just having a moment I just need to tell you what's going on and I'm like okay cool like I'll back off a little bit but I'm in the past I have even in the last couple of months I've jumped in I've tried to fix that situation and I I know I do that and I think even and I guess the like the boundary setting as well like I probably do make it sound really really easy but it's it's really uncomfortable and I know where I'm at now with things I, I still find it hard to do particularly with certain individuals in my life and even in lockdown I think it's been hard to navigate that particularly over the summer when stuff kind of opened up a little bit more in London and trying to navigate actually where I was at mentally like what I need whilst respecting what other people wanted and things like that and I'm I'm not great at it and I think sometimes I I and I do I still put my I still have to put myself in situations that are terrible for my mental health and very triggering but actually just realizing that I think probably for me helps a little bit to then feel a bit better about it um but I guess as well like on the kind of fixing factor something that I've started doing um and again this is after years and years of years of getting cross and frustrated when people try and fix me um is actually when I send a message to someone kind of venting about something or when I'm having a bad day I will I will kind of preempt the message with I don't want a solution to this um I don't want to be fixed and then at moments I'm like actually I do want a solution to this like what would you do in this situation so I'm trying to like frame that a bit better and I think as well like what Cherie said about the discomfort was actually, I guess, being an being an adult, maybe, and or maybe it's the therapy and the work I do, and kind of all the research and reading around stuff I do. Actually, I do also now know that when I'm in that place of discomfort, I'm in the space where I can process it and sit with it. And I guess even on Monday night, like it was horrible and I hated it, but I knew that I, I guess, I was confident in myself that actually you were going to come I, out. I, mm. Yeah, and I feel crappy and sucky for that evening but I knew by the next morning I'd maybe feel okay maybe I wouldn't but if I didn't feel okay I knew that I wasn't gonna punish myself or do something restrictive or anything like that but I guess I think yeah again it's practice and it's being able to yeah like educate yourself within that which yeah obviously we're not expecting everyone to do (laughs) so there we go I think um, it's very clear for me listening back there's no one one size fits all in this there's there's different opinions there's different ways there's different understandings there's different perspectives everyone's journey is different everyone's parents are different everyone's ways of showing love is different for me what's great is to just allow the conversation um and i'm really grateful for 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 all the women to just share their own truths and share their story and share their experiences without it needing to be right or wrong but just to share what's inside of them so i'm really grateful for that next week we come back with a, a final part to this conversation and we did reach a bit of a, I don't want to say conclusion, because that's not right, but we did, we did certainly in my mind anyway, we did come to a place that brings the conversation to a really nice natural end and, and, and brings a bit of, I don't know, a bit of whatever you want to take from it. But yeah, it's a really nice way for the conversation to end in my opinion. So uh, if you're interested and you, you're drawn to what you've heard, heard so far, then next week we'll give you a nice conclusion to, to this whole conversation around eating disorders. Thank you. I'm grateful. I've had some really interesting, really, really beautiful feedback. We've also had some feedback about how 
amazing it would be to hear from men around this because as we all know this is not a female uh, problem this is a human problem or challenge actually a problem is the wrong word challenge so i'm really pleased to say that we're, we are going to have a man sharing um uh, the week after next i'm excited for that but for now thank you so much any support any sharing that you can do would be great and um, these conversations matter it's my honor to sit in them but yeah predominantly thank you very much for sharing and we hope to see you next week for an end to this really important meaningful conversation hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 